Hello and welcome to Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood. I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is and always has been simple to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post workout late night meals. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Raw Grip Chalk, Croqueta Strength, and Primate Apparel for their consistent support and encouragement. The best hard-hitting ammonia in the game comes straight from Steve at Skull Smash. If you're like me and you put that chalk all over your back, all over your hands when you lift, Raw Grip is where to go. It's the highest quality in the market right now. If you're looking for no BS training, a team that's going to stand by you through all the ups and downs, shoot a DM over to the Croqueta Strength on Instagram. Take 10% off your template programming when you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. I'll swear by this. We are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who would do you ill is a vital part of my training. Head over to any of their Instagram pages or click the link tree in my bio to get some products and save some money. This morning, I have the privilege of sitting down with the current number two drug-tested HHW in the world uh, and in 27 days, potentially the number one. Jesus Olivares, uh, USAPL SHW, joins me today. Um, to talk a little bit about nationals coming up here in a few weeks and a showdown with Ray Williams, as well as talking about strength relativity and just how he got involved in the first place. This is a great episode. We had a lot of fun. So please sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Hey, Zeus, what is going on, my man? Welcome to the show. Um, pleasure to have, a uh, pleasure to be here, man. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good. You know, I, uh, I'm out in Salt Lake City right now, uh, and this is the first week it's been warm in about eight months, and so I'm enjoying the fact that it is not currently snowing outside my apartment in the middle of May. Uh, so you could say we're doing pretty well. I'm glad I can wear shorts and a t-shirt out in public again, you know? <laughs> I, I think that's funny, man, because I, mean, I don't know, I guess because I'm from Texas, you know, I'm uh, born and raised West Texas, Odessa, so it's like, it's pretty much hot for like eight months out of the 12 like i'm talking like 90 plus degree weather um dry mm. heat uh but i've recently moved to san antonio and it's a little bit more of a south central texas so the humidity really kicks in but the temperature stays the same um so it's kind of weird because like when you tell me that you're barely getting like some warmth I'm like, man, like I can't wait for fall to roll around. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's a tough spot to be in when it's the middle of May. You're like, man, I can't wait for the fall. And you know that there's four months of just brutal heat <laughs> before that even happens. <laughs> but I mean, like, contrary, uh, or not contrary, but I, I actually prefer training in warmer temperatures just because, like, I can take longer rest periods without really having to yeah. worry about getting cold. But I mean, that's, so, that's only... That's like the only thing I like about that. Like, that's it. Everything else I'll complain about. Well, and this is the thing. Like, we're, we're both big guys. So it's like when it's hot and then when it's humid, I mean, you're, you're just sweating from places you didn't know you could be sweating from. And so you're getting through the summer. You're like, this is, this is, this is the worst. <laughs> I, I need something colder. I think this is the first year that I've actually felt like sweat going down my ears, like from memory. <laughs> And it's just like the most infuriating experience I've ever felt in my life. 
and like my girlfriend could testify and it's just like it is just so annoying when i can feel like wet liquid going into my ears and it's just like <laughs> just gotta get through it man just gotta get through it a couple more months and uh temperatures will start dropping and it'll go back to normal <laughs> oh i like you know i go through when i was in college I never wanted to get haircuts, right? Because I was like, ah, like I don't want to spend the money. I can spend it on something else. And so I would just grow my hair out like all year. And then eventually I'd cut it like when it got too hot. And so like this year I went for the mullet, right? Cause we're bringing the mullet back. And, uh, you know, it was dead. Like we were, it was on my shoulders here about a week ago and it was the same thing. I'm like sweating down my head. And I was like, you know what? We just can't do this. <laughs> we just shaved that bad boy off because it, it was not conducive to, <laughs> to cool weather. <laughs> It'll live on your heart forever, though, man. Mullets. I think it's true. It's, you either love them or you hate them. But, I mean, uh, from where I'm from, man, it's like a little country. It's an oil field town, so it's like a lot of country folk. Uh, so I, I, I appreciate the mullet, man. Despite uh, the difference in ethnicity, I, I'm a mullet supporter. Like, if I see a mullet, a nice one, I'm like, you're doing something right, man. You're doing something right. <laughs> you got to have the confidence to pull it off because yeah. enough people will be like, dude, like, why do you have a mullet? And I'm like, it's a lifestyle, dude. I can't say anything else. It's I'll, just, it yeah. is. This is who I am now. <laughs> I'll agree. It's like, I'll say the confidence. It's what makes or breaks it. If you can yes. get, you're like, dang, like that's a, that's a good mullet. But if obviously you're kind of like not too sure about it, like you can obviously tell in someone's body language and just how they, if they're always wearing a hat or whatnot. So, yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, pumped to have you on. I'm excited kind of for what we've got lined up. We've got some cool topics and everything, but you know, just as we kind of jump in on the front end, first off, how in the world did you get involved in powerlifting in the first place? Okay. So I actually told him from Texas and I'm heard like you've had a bunch of Texas boys on and, we have a uh, high school federation, the THSPA. So that mm-hmm. was my first experience with powerlifting. Um, it was a third off-season sport because, I mean, uh, during high school, like I was competing year-round in the fall, summer, obviously uh, football, uh, training camp, and then in the spring, track and field. And then, like, as soon as that was over, like, it transitioned, like, into powerlifting. So, like, I was pretty much competing year-round. Like, I just – I was an athlete. Um, I didn't really like not having anything to work towards. So um, I started in, in high school. My last year competing in high school was my junior year. So that was back uh, the spring of 2015. And then I actually was a three times regional uh, contender. And then I went to state my junior year. But then um, – I had a shift in focus my senior year, and I also had, like, an injury that kind of prevented me from lifting, but it didn't prevent me from throwing track. So I kind of my, – my focus shifted naturally towards that, and then I went to state and track and field my senior year. Um, and then I did uh, collegiate sports my freshman year and sophomore year of college. My freshman year, I threw track and field for the University of Texas San Antonio, and then – um, I broke my foot, like freak accident, just landed on the side of it. It's a Jones fracture. Mm. Um, that, oh. that took me out for 11 months. So I didn't squat for 11 months after that. And that had literally been like a month after my best double at 18, which was 615 for two. 
And then uh, after that, like, the way that the head coach operates is, like, if you can't compete at conference, then, like, you really don't get any scholarship money, and he pulls back on it. And so mm-hmm. I literally got hurt, like, first day of outdoor practice. Like, I didn't get to do a single thing. So that kind of derailed me from continuing my education there. Um, so then I transferred back home to UTBB, University of Texas Permian Basin, and uh, I had a lot of friends who were still playing there for the university. They had really started at the time, and um, I had told them that I was coming back, and then they were really enthusiastic about me being on the team. Um, I mean, you'll never, like, hear me say this, but I mean, like, I know that as far as team sports go, like, I'm very team-oriented. Like, I know when someone needs to take charge, and I know when someone needs to set the example. So it's like those are qualities that I learned from playing football. I mean, I always th- – my – in my opinion, the best leaders lead by example. Um, yeah. And I felt like while I was in high school and college, like, I was a pretty good um, – I'm not going to say leader, but just someone to look up to. Uh, on the team and like I guess they knew that and they also seconded my opinion so they were like told the coaches that I was just going to go back to school and the coaches reached out to me and they were like hey man like we heard you're coming back like we know you're hurt but we don't care you know like we just want you around the guys like we just want you to kind of like just be there you know like we know what you bring and we just kind of want you to be a presence and then at the time, I mean, like, at this time, I'm like, man, like, I don't want to quit sports yet. Like, I want to keep competing. Um, so even though I kind of had to continue rehabbing into the season, um, I tried to uh, um, speed up my, my rehab. But, I mean, it was just, like, I, I couldn't do it. Like, the doctor that I was seeing at the time, like, he was just being um, not not consistent with my x-rays and stuff like that. So it just kind of got to a point where I was like, I've literally, like, been off my foot for 10 months. Like, I've, like, been doing everything you're telling me, and, like, you're still telling me I'm not ready. Like, I don't think – it just wasn't adding up. So then yeah. he told me, he was like, if you start doing anything, like, you're never going to get to squat again. Like, like your foot's going to be messed up for the rest of your life. And I was like, we'll see about that. So then I kind of just <laughs> – and I started rehabbing and all that. Uh I missed the fall season, and then I started – I was good to go during the spring. So then um, that happened. I was doing good, and then uh, I had, like, a freak concussion at my house. Uh, my coach didn't believe me, and that kind of caused some uh, communication issues just because, like, he thought I was lying and making up all this BS, and I was like, hmm, like, I don't really trust you. Like, I, I – if it's one, like, it's like, first of all, it's like, why would I lie to you? Like, you're my coach. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. like when it comes to, like, my coaches and, <clears throat> and I mean, I'm, I'm the same way with Joey now. It's like, if I overshoot or if I miss a session or if I don't finish all my stuff, like, I'll, I'll be, I'll tell him, I'll be like, hey, man, like, uh, this came up, blah, blah, blah. Like, give him the mm-hmm. reason why, you know, I didn't do all my sets or whatever. Um... And that kind of really left a bad taste in my mouth. And it kind of disillusioned me with just the whole idea of team sports, especially at the collegiate level. And it's kind of opened my eyes. That, you know, it's pretty much just a business. Like, it, the moment you can't produce, like, you're out of there. And, like, they won't even communicate with you. 
Um, and that just, you know, because at that time, like, I understood the consequences of any bad hit, any, like, severe injury could be, like, life-altering. So I didn't feel comfortable anymore risking my long-term health for an organization that just wasn't investing back in me like I was in them. Um, so then that was like the last time I was like, you know, what? I am done with sports. Like I'm not gonna do, tra- I'm not gonna do collegiate track and field. I'm not gonna do like if I do anything, it'll be like individually, right? Um, right. So then like I just didn't train at all after that. That was like um, April of 2018, I believe. So then I did not lift the weight from that day until i'd like to say early august of that same year and then that's kind of where my journey into the modern powerlifting world began but i actually started off as a gym bro because i went through a bad breakup uh super classic yeah classic gym bro excuse uh, yep (laughs) um I try I try to lose weight. I think I lost like thirty pounds. So like at this point, I was like a pretty nasty three thirty, and I had mm-hmm. to drop all the way down to three hundred before the year ended, which was my goal. My goal was to um, break the three the sub three hundred barrier because at that point I had been over three hundred pounds since like I had like graduated. Um, I was like the heaviest I was playing in high school was two seventy. But obviously, after my senior year ended, uh, senior season, um, they kind of kick you out and, like, you're not really a part of the program anymore. So I had to kind of gain a little bit of weight. Um, and then I had, like, a wrist surgery. So I gained some weight. I was pretty much after high school, I was 300 pounds. Like, I haven't been less than 300 pounds since I was 18. So it'll be yeah. five years in June. Right. Um so I just wanted to lose weight, look good, you know, get some confidence back. Um, I've always loved training. I mean, like, I've had some sort of weight training since I was 12 for at least four months at a time. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that's always been a sense of comfort me, a sense of comfort for me, something that I could always do without really complaining uh, doing it. And I just loved it, right? So then I started bodybuilding. I started just being a gym bro. And then... I started watching Strongman. So a lot of people don't know this, but I originally got into strength sports through Strongman. Um, so I was following a lot of like Half Thor, a lot of Eddie. Uh, this was whenever Eddie was working towards that 500 kilogram deadlift. And yeah. then, um, a lot of Martins laces. Like they're actually, whenever I was coaching myself before Joey, I would honestly just take a lot of the concepts that Martins uh, would describe in his channel and i would just kind of apply to myself like i think one time when he was training for world's strongest man he had like this uh program or workout where he would try to do as many triples at like 89 percent in 20 minutes right and that was just stuff like that you know just to kind of form some kind of structure around my because mm-hmm. tr- i understand like you can't be running in the weight room like a headless chicken because you're just gonna be running in circles so I've always yeah. understood the necessity of structure, right? Um, and then at the beginning, so January 1st, midnight, right? New Year's, New Year's resolution. I kind of made a promise to myself, like, Jesus, like, you're going to do at least one strongman meet or one powerlifting meet 
before the year ends, right? Like, I made a promise to myself. I was like, you're going to get back into competing. Like, you're going to do this and that, right? Um, so then I started strength training. I started kind of pushing my limits a little bit. Like, I had always been scared of deadlifting conventional just because, like, a football background, your coaches get it in your head, like, conventional mm-hmm. level, like, it's bad for you. So I never felt comfortable going more than 600 pounds, like never. But then I kind of went 625, I went 650. I still remember like my my first 675, like I was just there and then I had some of my old buddies were there and I was like, bro, like, should I even go that heavy? And they were like, have you ever done it? And I was like, no. And then they were like, why don't you try it? And I was like, all right, bet. I'm a little... <laughs> Um, like that, that honestly is probably my second most favorite lift ever was my first seven plate deadlift. Like that's my second favorite lift of all time at this moment. Um, so then, um, started strength training, started powerlifting, kind of learning a little bit of the basics. I started following more like renowned lifters on the Instagram, um, kind of watching what they were doing. I was analyzing them. Um, and at the moment I didn't know the difference in federations. So I was actually going to do USPA originally, USPA, uh, drug tested because mm-hmm. right? I, I've always been a natural athlete. Um, so obviously I'm drawn, I'm drawn towards that sort of the, that part of the sport. And I was just Googling, I was, um, YouTubing like, okay, like what's drug, like, what is this? What's the difference? And I didn't know what USAPL was. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I was just training for that, right? And then I had actually signed up for two USPA meets prior to this. But for one reason or another, like, for work, I wasn't able to go to my first one because they didn't give me that weekend off. And then for the second one, I wasn't able to do that one either because uh, my flight got um, delayed. So I had to miss that Saturday. And then by the time those two meets had passed, I was already, it was already, I think, like, August, September? It was getting closer to Nationals time, 2019. Mm-hmm. I started watching Russell Orhe because my brother, uh, my brother likes to watch a lot of fitness influencers on YouTube just because he likes to learn from them, too. Like, we just like to learn. And mm-hmm. he's like, hey, man, like, you should watch for us. And I was like, all right, but... So then I started watching some of his YouTube videos, um, and then he mentioned Joey, right? And I was like, hmm, I wonder who this Joey guy is. So then I go to Joey's YouTube channel. I start watching his videos. I follow his Instagram. I start looking at what he's done in the past. And at this point, like, obviously, like, John had already won his Worlds. Um, Russ had just won Worlds, like, two months ago. Um, Amanda won worlds, like all of these lifters that he's repeat. He's all, Joey has been just going to worlds like almost every year for the last yeah. <laughs> four or five, six years, however long. Right. And I come like me from, with my background, like I understand the necessity of being under the guidance and tutelage of someone who is first experienced Secondly, like they're knowledgeable, and three, like they have a, a resume to prove point one and point two, and Joey had all three of these things, 
So, like, from that get-go, I had made up my mind. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know, like, how big the coaching business was at this time. All I knew was Joey Flex takes his athletes to Worlds. And I was like, that's yeah. what I want to be. That's the level of athlete I want to compete at or be. Uh, I mean, so then, like, I emailed him and, like, we got to talking. And um, he had responded to me. And he was like, hey, man, like, I'll take you on. Um, and I was like, okay, cool, man. Like, let me just kind of, um, get my funds together, blah, blah, blah. Like, let me get ready for this. You know, I know you got uh, nationals in the next two weeks. Let's talk after. And he was like, cool. So then like, I kind of stayed back. I wanted to see how he did at nationals, how his athletes did. I mean, obviously that year Russ won. Mikey got second place against Bryce and Maya Ashton. Um, Amanda won, um, Keiko won, and I was just like, all right, man, like, this is this is the guy I need to kind of be where I want to go. So then, like, we got to working together. Um, we're coming up on two years in October. Um, this is going to be our first nationals together. And, like, those th- first three meets that we've done have just kind of been, like, retarded, uh, respectfully, because yeah. it's just, like, um, I understand that – someone of my guy like I, and I don't say this like lightly nor do I say it in an egotistical manner but like I understand that someone of my caliber rarely comes in the manner that I do like I understand yeah. that people literally risk their health to kind of be at the level that I am and I also understand yeah. that it takes people several several years to be where I'm at um so like I'm very aware self-aware uh, I'm gonna say I'm very self-aware of the opportunities that I have um, in four weeks and then potentially um, in September. Because, I mean, I know there's, like, some turmoil going on. So we really don't know if there's going to be a Worlds or not. Um, but, I mean, I feel like I kind of missed some points, but that's kind of like an over a – lo- a short story, long story of how I got into no, that's super helpful, and, and, it, and it's a perfect segue um, into just even mentioning, you know, a couple of things. One, uh, obviously, you're what twenty six days out uh, at this point for the next meet here. So, I mean, you're within twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah. So you're within the last four weeks, and I mean, anyone who competes knows like the last four weeks, like it's game time. Like that's like when like the rest of me meet prep, I can be like, oh, okay, cool, like this is fun. But like last four weeks is when you really turn it on, and you know, we'll kind of get into that here in a second, you know, just even as you're thinking, you know, crowning a new king and all that. But um, with the USAPL controversy right now, yeah, like what what is it like, especially for an elite, you know, natural athlete like yourself, knowing that there could be some pretty dramatic shifts in what drug-tested powerlifting looks like, what does that impact for you directly, even in your discussions with Joey, is looking at things like if World's even going to happen in the first place? Yeah. So we have talked about it a couple of times. Um, and it's just like, we really just don't know. Because, yeah. At, so honestly, this move, I think, really only affects like people in the top 10 or top five in each weight class. Because right. now we're talking sponsors. Because I know SBD. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually like an SPD athlete, but, uh, so it kind of affects me a little bit too. Um, but SPD is a really, really big IPF sponsor. Like 
freaking Sheffield, you know, yeah. the champions, like the big money me. Um, so it's like, we don't know if what they're going to do, how they're going to affect us. Um, we don't know if there's going to be another federation that's going to like immediately take up that USA affiliate spot. Um, there's just so many little different things that are at play, but it really only affects like a select few. Cause I mean, if sure. you're just a USAPO enthusiast, like you're obviously more than likely going to stay. Or if you're like a Russ fan, you're obviously going to go wherever Russ goes. Uh, if mm-hmm. you're a Taylor Atwood fan, you're going to go wherever Taylor goes. And it's kind of, it's just like, it's just, this could go down so many different ways. Like, it's like kind of stressful if you really want to mm-hmm. think about it. So right now, it's like, we've talked about it, but we've kind of decided like, okay, we're not going to talk about it or make decisions until we have a better view of the field. So, like, right now, it's, like, number one focus is just nationals. But, I mean, like, we do talk about it just because it's, like, we're so close. I mean, obviously, um, as a power, as someone who competes, like, you want to know, like, what's the next move. But we're really just trying to make this some sort of, like, pseudo last meet ever just to kind of obviously, like, enhance uh, these last four weeks with a little dramatic flair, you know? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, it's going to be interesting because me personally, um, I've heard rumors and stuff that they might potentially turn the USAPL into a sort of pro league, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Someone in my position who is going up in that trend at this particular time, like, it sounds very appealing, you know, because, like, the whole point of becoming a coach, the whole point of a lot of the life decisions that I've made up until this point has been to put myself in a position where I can take care of my personal being as well as Mm -hmm. training number one, right? Because, like, it's like I'm only going to be as good as my training Mm -hmm. and knowledge. So it's like if if that can happen, man, like, that's a big plus in my perspective. Um, Like, I'm all about making money. I'm all about, you know, the athletes getting paid. Um, but at the same time, like, I also care about my dynasty. Like, I care about my legacy. Like, if I retire in 10 years from now at the age of 32, like, how many championships have I won? How many nationals? How many worlds? Like, how many big meets have I won under my belt? Like, how many other um, top athletes have I gone against, whether it's in the point system or head-to-head? Um, so it's just... For me personally, it's kind of like, mm, like so much is going on because if something happens to where we can go to Worlds, then I can't do the showdown. But at the same time, like in my perspective, the way this year is lining up, I'm potentially setting myself up at an opportunity of potentially going up against Ray and Dan in the same mm-hmm. year while Ray is getting close to his peak back to where he was in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know what shape he's going to come in, but I'm expecting him to put up a hell of a fight. Like, you know, it's going to go either way. And then Dan, obviously right now is the strongest he's ever been. So in my eyes, you know, if I can, 
in my eyes, it'll almost be more worth for going worlds to go to the showdown. Mm-hmm. The opportunity that's in front of me, because it's like yeah. if I can pull up an upset at nationals and the showdown, like I could literally walk away after this year and be like, I'm done. I'm going to go do strongman. I'm going to go do bodybuilding. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> right. No one's ever done that. Like nobody. Mm-hmm. It's like to arguably be the, I mean, to the potentially be the best drug free super heavyweight and then to beat the best all time super heavyweight. Like that is like, like it's honestly almost overwhelming to think about if you actually yeah. like sit down and you look at the magnitude of such a thing unfolding, but I mean, like, I mean, I'd be damned if I kind of let the opportunity slip away from me. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, I mean, we can go into the whole like being drug free, competing against enhanced athletes. But I mean, like, obviously, if they feel like they're they've already like made that decision, you know, if that's what they feel sure. like they need to do to be at the top of their game, I mean, that's on them. Like, I have no hard feelings, you know. Um, cause I mean, obviously like I'm just as strong and you know, but yeah, I'm drug free. So it's like, I just want to compete, man. Like just to compete in such a tight competition. It just so exciting. Cause even, I remember like back in high school, man, back in college, like the games that you remember the most are the ones where you win on the last second field goal. Yeah. Like those Absolutely. games. So it's like, yeah, it's fun when you blow people out, you know, 70 to 7, but the games you remember are those district championships when you win 27-24. Like, that's, I think, where um, your mind and your heart should be at if you really want to be the best. Like, I understand, like, having records and all that, but at the same time, I think head-to-heads matter. I think uh, traveling to a certain meet, there's just so many circumstances that go into these type of things that people don't account for. Um, and it's like, they count. Like, it's like, okay, like, age counts. Uh, enhanced or natural counts. Uh, years training counts. Um, and it's like, these are stats that I kind of keep in the back of my head when I'm, like, analyzing my competitors. And it's just like, all right, man, like, you've been training for this long. You're this old. You're obviously on something because you're out about it. And it's like, all right, like, what can I do on my end to kind of even the playing fields without compromising my morals? So it's like, you know, and that's kind of where I'm at right now, where it's like these, like, it's like, like, I only train like four days a week. And it's like, I have to take like my sleep serious. My, like, it's like every little thing that you people preach about. Yeah, like, it's mm-hmm. cliche, but, you know, it's true. So it's like, those are things that I kind of have to be like real anal about to simply mm-hmm. in my eyes at least like level the playing field a little bit um because at the end of the day like i mean it's about recovery you know don't want to get hurt because that just makes everything go to hell yes no it absolutely does well you know something that uh you know my my team at least has been on about for forever is this idea of like strength relativity and you know especially like I, I literally this morning, I was like, man, like what's something else I can throw into here that like I think is relevant, especially, you know, since you're an SHW of uh, you're moving, you know, hundreds and hundreds more pounds than a lot of other athletes are going to be able to um, like even take like a 181er 
um, who's natural, who might squat, you know, 600 pounds and still be, you know, just incredible top of their game. And then you're squatting, you know, 900. And if that athlete were to go, Hey, I weigh 181 and I squat 600 X like relationally, that means I'm as strong as you because it's more X times my body weight or whatever. Our team has been on this track. We're like, well, that's just like not how that works. <laughs> like you're still going to be physically stronger if you squat 900, because if that 181 er puts 900 on their back, it's going to bury him. Right. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, like for you being an athlete who is in that position of moving that, you know, extreme amounts of weight, what does this Wilkes conversation and even dots conversation like look like since really isn't like it is designed to benefit a certain side of athletes more so than the guys who are heavier. Yes, that's an excellent topic. So, uh, good lift. Well, okay, we'll throw in good lift points in there too, right? Because that's sure. what USAPL is using at this time. So, I think with good lift points, with twenty twenty at the like at the end of twenty twenty, I think I finished eleventh in the men's by like point zero zero one points, right? Like I probably got edged out of the top ten. But then, I mean, at that point, it's like, okay, like, you're looking – you're at this point, you're saying that, like, a 93 totaling 1,700 is more impressive than a super heavyweight totaling 2326. Right. Um, and, I mean, like, I mean, you can get into so many debates about that, but at the end of the day, like, from my perspective, it's like whatever point system you use, whatever me is using whatever point system, it's like, okay, like – all right, like, attempts matter, you know? Like, if I have to total 2,700 pounds to be number one on good lift point systems, and, like, I mean, I guess I got to hit 2,700 pounds by the time right. I'm done, right? And, I mean, I know a lot of people like to gripe and complain, and they're all, like, the – what's that saying? It's, like, there's no Wilkes in the jungle and all this. <laughs> no Wilkes in the jungle. It has such a meathead response, like – and at the same time, like, I think if you're a smaller lifter, I think you should be a little bit more considerate because if you do offend someone who is, like, 100 pounds heavier than you, like, you know, then Wilkes in the jungle don't really matter at that point. Yeah. <laughs> About being a good human being at that point. But, uh, I mean, honestly, man, like, it's a uh, – because obviously Wilkes are more attuned towards heavier body weights. Like, I think, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Ash. Ash is a good friend of mine. So, mm-hmm. his me, where he totaled 2095, I think he had a Wilkes of 582, 583. And then with my me at 2326, my Wilkes was 579. So, he really edged me out by three, four points, right? But then when you go mm-hmm. to good lifts, the margin is way wider like my good list was 109 his i think was like 119 so then that's a 10 point mm-hmm. 10 points and good lifts like that that's that's a lot like it's a stupid yeah. amount right and then if you look at dot like it's like there's just so many point systems and i don't think anyone is ever going to get it right just because you have to put into account like bone density muscle density mm-hmm fat tissue density and it's just like people are built differently mm-hmm. yeah. like 
people don't think I'm 360 pounds when they look at me. They're like, oh, maybe you're like 300. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. 60. <laughs> Hell, like, where is this extra 60 pounds, you know? But it's just like, I'm just really dense. Uh, I'm not that tall. I'm like a little over six feet tall. Um, I just kind of mm-hmm. six feet. Um, but, you know, like when you see my videos or whatever, like you can say what you want. Like people, when they see me, they're like, oh, you're taller in person. Or they're like, oh, you're shorter in person. Or like, oh, you look smaller in, in the video. Or you look bigger in the video. And it's like, well, I mean, I'm still 360 pounds. So, yeah, it just so much goes into it, man. Like, it's like, I don't think there's ever going to really be an accurate formula. Um, but whatever point system they want to use at any given time, I mean, it, even if I have an all-time world performance and I still get sixth place on mm-hmm. good live points, then I mean, like, obviously I think uh, the majority of people who are actually educated in the sport can tell the difference. Like, okay, 2400 plus you know that's kind of there's some there's some sort of uh misalignment with what's going on here but i mean i know some people like to run with it like they're like oh like i'm 74 kilos like i total this much like i'm uh, the best ever you know and it's just well i'm not saying you're not but let's just be a little bit more realistic and optimistic is not the right word but just more considerate, I guess, because it's like, I mean, if that's the point, like, you could literally pick and choose what point system and be like, oh, I'm yeah. the best at this, or, oh, I'm the best at this, and it's like, uh, to me, it, it's just a bunch of controversy and baloney, I think, but yeah. obviously it matters, because, like, when you get into, like, money meets, um, it's by points, you know, who has the highest points, so, I mean, as much as it's kind of like irrelevant. It's actually very relevant, you know? So, I mean, it is what it is. It's just like, you kind of have to pick and choose like, uh, what you're going to fight, like what you're going to complain over. And like me, I simply just choose not to allow it to kind of be a little bittersweet or just kind of like something to complain about. Cause it's like, I mean, if I get beat out on a point system by someone who's 200 pounds lighter, I mean, it's like, well, what am I going to say? You know, like it's not really much. Right. Like, no one's going to really care. Um, so, I mean, I mean, it is what it is, honestly. So, it's whatever. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We, uh, in the last couple of weeks, we had a, you know, one of the guys who's on our team, uh, Jackson, you know, hit like, I don't know, it was like 850 in wraps or something. Played like 320 when he did it. And uh, this dude who's at their gym up in, in Alberta, small guy, squatted like 480, you know, RP 10, like super maximum effort. And, uh, he comes at, you know, Jackson, he goes, uh, well, this means I'm as strong as you because you weigh 320. I weigh, you know, 180 or whatever. And it just turned into like two weeks of just 500 does not equal 800. You know, it's a whole Wilkes in the jungle, you know, conversation, of of just both sides of the guy being like, well, on points, you know, I got you. And the other guy's like, well, put 850 on your back and I'll go buy your coffin, you know, when you're, when you're six feet under. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, that's the thing. Like, there's no, until there's like a solid one, like a federation that controls everything, a point system that controls everything, a perfect way of weight. Like, there's just so many elements that have to go in for anyone to quote unquote win that argument. And I mean, we all know it's just going to keep happening just year after year after year. And but. it's like 
it doesn't help that they have a new system every freaking year. Like, <laughs> just pick one, man. Come on. <laughs> like, I, uh, the other day at work, um, you know, I always had the saying, you know, you can always narrow open powerlifting enough to make yourself number one. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder, because I'm like, you know, I just started competing a couple years ago. So I'm like, ah, like, I've got a very average total. But I was like, I wonder if there's a way for me to f- make myself number one in open powerlifting. I spent like 30 minutes, like, juggling filters and years and federations and everything. And I, I called my friend. I was like, dude, I'm best in the world. He goes, what? I was like, <laughs> three, six, five strong in 2020, 275 juniors, raw, full power by dots. <laughs> it was like 20 different things. And I was like, dude, like I made a number one of one. And he was like, I hate you. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, because of how much stuff's out there, like, Really, anyone can find a way to be like, oh, I'm better than I am, you know, instead of just being like, I didn't win and I need to go win the next one. Like you said, if I have to total 2,700 to make it to the number one spot, I guess I'm going to go total 2,700, you know, instead of being like, I guess I'll go manipulate some stats on a website so that it says number one so that I don't have to do it. I think it's it's actually kind of comical how everyone at the top is like I'm not good enough. I need to do better. I'm so far away from where I want to accomplish. And then on the other hand, you have a set of individuals who are like maybe middle of the pack, and they're just like elite, <laughs> you know, a, a power lifter on their bio. And it's like, mm, all right, man, cool, cool beans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's a bell curve of ego. Like, you're at the very beginning, and when you start out, you know, you're just like, hey, like, this is a cool sport. I'd like to get stronger. You get a little bit stronger. The arrogance goes all the way to the top. And they're like, ah, I'm a god. I'm ready for war. Whatever the hell, you know, they're they're going with. (laughs) And then you come back down. (laughs) There's a couple of people I can think of when I say that. Then you come back down to the bottom, and it's the people in the total opposite. And they're like, no, like, I am the best in the world, but, like, I've got a long way to go. And so I think it's, it's interesting that you do have that middle group that's just... One plus one doesn't equal two anymore. It equals like seven. Yeah. You know? That's, I feel like that could be an entirely different pot, like another topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, kind of the other big thing I want to get into, of course, is just you've got a meet in four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you've got nationals. You have been training hard uh, as possible. What is kind of what are we thinking? What's what's the goal? What's the plan? What's the next four weeks look like for you as you get ready for it? Okay, so this coming week, um, my my pretty my heaviest week is gonna be two weeks from now. So it'll be that um, two weeks out mark, right? Um, so next week is really just kind of like RP seven. So. To me, that's kind of going to be like, okay, what am I going to hit for seconds? Because um, mm-hmm. I like to like, – I don't really like hitting numbers on meet day that I've never hit in training. Like, sure. You know, it's like it's a calculated risk when you do – like the only number that I've ever like gone after that I never hit in training excuse me, was my 400-kilo deadlift last December. Because mm-hmm. the heaviest I had gone in training prior to that, excuse me, was uh, 390, right? So, and that one was kind of like a bit of a grinder. So, like, I just didn't know if it was going to be there. But 
at this point in time, me and Ash, like, we had, like, this little unspoken gentleman's bet of who was going to hit 400 kilos in uh, training beforehand. I mean, obviously, like, he could give you the argument of me being at a heavier body weight, but then I'll right. encounter him, like, well, you're two years older, you've been training longer, and you sumo. So it's like, it left nah. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that guy. Um, but... So, like, and I mean, at the same time, like, I was also, my number one goal at the time was just to hit 1045.5, which was going to break, it was going to chip the all-time junior total record uh, set by, I forget his last name, but I know his first name is Bo. Oh, Bo Lewis. And then, uh, before my third deadlift, my friend was like, bro, let's change you to 390, it'll be more conservative, like, you're like, get it pretty easy and i was thinking about it but then at this point in time um that would have put me where was it it would have made me i think it would have put me in the top 10 totals of all time or it would have given me 11th i think at this point in time literally the same day um what's his name he's uh zach myers had literally yeah, just Hulk. competed hours before I did, and he had just posted his meat recap, and he totaled 1052.5, and I was like, God damn it. Like, yeah. <laughs> totals bigger than mine, and I'm be 12th all time instead of 11th. So at this point, like, I doubled down, and I was like, I'm pulling 400. Like, I'm going to get that 11th all time spot. Um, so I kept that at 400, and I pulled it. Um, and it was fast. It was surprisingly like it's like I was shook. Like I didn't. It didn't even set in until like after, because it was just so unreal. Like it was such a big milestone. Like it's a big milestone for strong men. It's a big milestone for untested guys. So for me, it was just like a I don't know stiff bar two and Alico. Like, people don't realize, like, the difference in pulling on a Lico mm-hmm. than to, like, oh a my gosh. power bar than to, like, a Texas deadlift bar. Like, a 400-kilo Alico pull is miles over a 400-kilo Texas deadlift bar pull. Like, it's just, yeah, it doesn't compare. Um, shoot. Okay, so training. We're talking about training. <laughs> I lost my track. But, honestly, oh, yeah. You said how hard these next four weeks are going to be. So, um, I don't know, man. I'm expect. I'm gonna. I already got some numbers planned out in my mind. Um, I think for meet day, I would like to. I think if I go nine seventy, five eighty four, and nine oh three nine fifteen, I think that will be what I need to kind of ice it over um just because like i'm kind of expecting ray to hit like anywhere between 1030 to 1050 mm-hmm. um i'm expecting him to bench a pr so like maybe like 551 and then i think he'll deadlift maybe like 848 860 so at that point like the, i'm kind of giving him those numbers in my head um if he Bliss more than that, then at that point, I'm kind of like, all right, man, like, to, <laughs> like, you literally came in. He would literally, like, so me and Joey have talked about this, and 
the only way we'll be okay losing would be if he literally breaks his all-time record, right? Yeah. And that's 11, 12.5. But the way we have it set up, it's like if we go 9 for 9, we're also going to break that all-time record. So it's just going to, like, honestly, I know that he's going to out-squat me. And even if he's yeah. high, they're going to give it to him. Yeah. Um. So, like, honestly, like, as he's going to squat whatever he's going to squat. And I know for most people, that's going to be an extremely daunting situation. Like, oh, shoot, I just got out-squatted by almost 100 pounds. Right? Right. That's a tough space to, to fight back from the, yeah. from the front end. But I would argue that it's tougher to fight mentally. Yeah. Right? Because it's like being down by 21 points in the first quarter. Yeah. It's, it, that's yeah. kind of exactly what it is. So then at that point, you know, it's like, okay, now we go to bench. How much ground can I make up? And it's like if he benches 551 and I bench 584 – that gives me 33 pounds back, right? So now the yeah. deficit comes down to, if I hit 970, hits 1,050, that's an 80-pound deficit, right? Yeah. So then, wait, no, 72, no, 80 pounds, yeah. So then if I hit 34, then that drops it to 56. So, okay, like now we go to deadlifts. You know, that's kind of my bread and butter at the moment. Like That's what I feel separates me from the majority of the super heavyweight class because you see yeah. so many 900 to 1,000 pound squatters, so many 500 to 600 pound benchers. But when it comes to deadlifts, it's like more often than not, like it just kind of falls apart. So like that's kind of my my bread and butter right there. It's like, okay, at that point, it's a 50 something pound deficit. If he pulls 860, I feel confident that if I needed to Hail Mary, I could probably load, like, 915, which would give yeah. me, like, a two-pound victory, right? Like, literally, like, a, like 0.5 kilo. I went by 0.5 kilos. Yeah. So, it's like, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to come down. It's like, whoever goes 9 for 9, like, that's who's winning. Because at this point, like, as strong as we are, the jumps that we take, if either of us, if whoever misses a lift, like, it's like, okay, like, you're, if the other lifter doesn't miss, like, you're done. Yeah. You know, like, he's, that's kind of our game plan. It's just because he might be physically stronger on the day, but it's like, we're really just going to try to force his hand. Because yeah. it's like. You know, it's like, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I am, as much as I like to think I'm like some sort of mad scientist when it comes to how I apply my philosophies and my thought, my train of thought with my training, I know that <clears throat> a thousand, I don't know, man, maybe in the heat of the moment, I could rise and maybe go for like a thousand three, but that would be like RP 10. And I think that would literally wipe me for bench and deadlifts. So as much as yeah. that would be massive to hit, I also have to take into account, like, this is a nine-lift meet. Like, even if I match his squat, you know, I might not have enough in the tank lift to even, you know, go tit for tat on bench and deads. You know, I might just right. destroy myself. So the goal is to kind of hit the most we can without it really um, 
messing up the rest of the means. So it's kind of like this balance. Um, so it's honestly, there's so much that goes into it. Like people, I've had so many people tell me like, oh, like you're going to win, you're going to win. And in my mind, I'm like, man, like y'all are just dumb. Like y'all are so ignorant. Like how are, y- how are y'all going to talk down on Ray Williams? Like it's freaking Ray Williams. Right. It's like, right. it's like this guy is a Mount Rushmore guy. Like, like how, like to me, that would be the dumbest thing. I could ever do this prep would be to just simply underestimate. So I think with the numbers I have in mind, I think I'm estimating him properly. Um, but at the same time, like I'm also expecting him, I'm, I'm leaving room for him to show out. So it's like, okay, if I have to take some, some risk, if I got to roll the dice, like I'm mentally ready for it. Like if I have to, um, like if I'm convinced I need to go 990 or a thousand or 991 and a thousand three, like, you know, let's load it. Let's go. You know? Cause it's like, I'm not showing up to lose. I'm not showing up to get second place. You know, like just because Ray is as great as he is because he is amazing. Like I'm not just going to shy away if he out squats me by almost a hundred pounds. Like, this isn't a squatting contest. This is a powerlifting me. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. who's the best overall. You know, it's not who's a squat specialist. It's not who's the favorite. It's who is the most prepared. So, like, that's just really my mindset going into this. It's just how prepared can I truly be to take this man's full frontal attack and catch it with my chest, you know? Um Cause I'm really big into like manga and anime, and um, I don't know if you are, but it's like there's this one show called Baki, and it's a fighting manga. Like I don't, they haven't really released too much like of the animation, um, mm-hmm. but the manga is still in writing, and they've had so many volumes. And like in the most recent one that they're writing right now, the grapplers are fighting against sumo wrestlers, and like some of the terminology that they use, as far as like. Um, how they ask each other, like, can I have your chest? And, like, when, like, another sumo wrestler asks another sumo wrestler that, it's like, okay, like, bear your chest at me. I'm going to charge you a full force. So that's mm. kind of the imagery that I keep having in my head. It's like, okay, Ray is coming back from an off year. He's probably had ample time to rehab and recover. He obviously is very mysterious with his pose because it's like he posted a picture yeah. of him half-squatting. You know, like, what's to say? Maybe he's worked on his depth. Maybe he is stronger than what he's saying he is. So it's like, there's just so many unknowns. But in my mind, I'm just preparing myself to take his full effort at my chest. You know, that's what I got to do. I got to catch him and I got to stop him. And it's just, there's so many aspects that go into it. Like, it's mental, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's emotional. Like, all these things have to be in conjunction. And, like, that also kind of ties to my training because, in my opinion, I feel like to be the best you can be, you have to have these three things in alignment with each other. It's your spiritual, um, your mental, I guess it's four. It's spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical, right? These Mm -hmm. things have to literally be in alignment for you to progress and maximize your potential because obviously if your physical is down like if you don't have enough food that's going to obviously affect you if your head's not in the right place 
you're not going to perform properly. If your emotions are all over the place, like, you're going to wear yourself out. If your spiritual, if your spiritual, like, if you're not in the right place spiritually, like, you know, maybe that inhibits the full prog- the full potential of either your emotional or mental, you know? So it's like, there's so many different factors that you can dive into from a philosophical perspective. And it's just like, you know, I just got to be prepared. I got to make sure all these things are going to be like zeroed in. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, that's all I really can do. I mean, like, it's four weeks out. Like, I don't think I'm going to magically put on 50 pounds on my squat. At this point, it's like you're not putting any – you're not you're not adding strength at this point. At this point, it's right. healthy and peaking into the meat. Like, that's pretty much mm-hmm. what it is. So it's like the work has been done. I have – in my mind, I have literally been prepping for this meet since the end of my December meet. So – I have been out, what is that, like, a previous 20-something weeks. So it's like yeah. I've literally been mentally preparing for this meet, and it'll it'll be six months' time by the time it comes. So it's like I've been in this prep a long time. Like, it's like I've been down for the grit. Um, I've buckled down. Like, it's like I've, like I've literally been working for this moment for so long. And I even talked to my brother about this. It's like whenever I first started with UCPL, my first meet in 2019, like we always knew that this was the destination, you know. I will be honest and say that I thought I wasn't going to be in this position until I was like 24, 25. But I mean, like, I'm not going to shy away from the opportunity just because it arrived here two years early. You know, it's like you take advantage of what is given to you and you make the most out of it so it's like i mean i've been very blessed um i've been gifted i've I have a family that supports me um you know like i have a like i have people around me who have allowed me to come this far you know so it's just like i know that's a big thing that a lot of people don't have you know but at the same time i'm not living lavishly you know like i've had to make sacrifices financially to kind of put myself in this position and a lot of people have like been like bro like you're crazy like don't you want like a better car like don't you want a better apartment a better house like don't you want to be able to do this and that but in my mind like these aren't sacrifices like these are necessities like this yeah. is where my mind is at this is where my heart's at so it's just like like there'll be nights where like my like it's like my girlfriend don't want to stay up late. I'm like I can't like I got a big squat tomorrow, so it's like like I'm sorry, you know it is what it is, and it's just mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of people with potential talent kind of get lost, is that they don't have that drive and that commitment. They have the discipline because I think part of being disciplined is part of is having the knowledge to execute. So it's like mm-hmm. know how to be disciplined. But they just don't have the commitment, you know. This I think discipline has two parts: it's the commitment and the knowledge to to execute. And it's just they have fragments and stuff that if they put it together, they could also be this phenom, this amazing athlete. But for whatever reason, like maybe they want money more, maybe they want to chase materialistic things. But for me, like 
if I win, if I beat Ray, like that, that's something no one will ever take away from me. Like it's like I could literally go downhill from this. I could lose everything, but I'll still be remembered. Like this, this what I'm chasing is more than just materialistic, immediate satisfaction. Like this is long term, you know. Because yeah. where the where the sport is growing where everything is headed it's like these are life altering events because it's like people are going to want the next super heavyweight champ it's like these are things that could change my life for the better so it's like i'm coming into this with the mindset of all oh this isn't just for fun like don't get me wrong like i love this like this brings me joy you know when i train when i'm with my friends and like we're training together like this is a lifestyle but at the same time like i'm very aware of just a lot of the different variables that play and it's just you know it's it's a lot man it's a lot really when you sit down and talk about it but i mean i'm here for it man like it's like i've been working towards this for a long time um i've always wanted to be the best at something and like now i'm arguably headed towards that direction and it just can't slow down now, man. I mean, obviously, when you got to take a break and deload, you take a step back. But besides that, like, you just kind of stay hammering. You stay loyal to the craft. Um, and you just keep working. So it's just, we're here, man. We're almost here. 20, 27 days out. So it's like, just got to. 27 days out. Got to get to Daytona. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Well, hey, on the back end of uh, of this, you know, I've got the classic, you know, two questions. Obviously, you've listened to some of this before, and everyone who's who's listening to the show knows what's coming. Uh, everyone I've ever had on knows something about fitness. We can talk about it till our faces turn blue. Yeah. But I think what's made the show so special has been one, the conversation on faith, and two, the conversation on breakfast. So we'll get to breakfast last because, oh, God, I love breakfast. But I haven't eaten yet. God, I just. Yeah. <laughs> French to okay, we'll, we'll get that to later, man. I, I'm getting the first thing I do after this, I'm gonna get some food. So, my man, well, uh, then we won't hold you too long. But the one before that, of course, is is the uh, is the faith question. And I know in your bio, um, you got GT GGTG, glory goes to God. Yes. And I was a uh, I was a counselor at a summer camp up in Pennsylvania, uh, called Summer's Best Two Weeks when I was in college, mm-hmm. and that was their whole thing, it was a Christian camp. Uh, that their whole thing was glory goes to God. It was an athletics camp. Uh, and they said, hey, the end of everything, you know, the end of it all, it's kind of like how Eight Man says, you know, 21 grams. All we are is a soul, right? Uh, and so at the end of every competition, the glory goes to somebody. You can either choose for it to go to yourself, you can choose to it to go to, to God, or to a deity. So my question for you is, you know, with that, what role has your own personal faith just played into even just the way that you've looked at your own training and you've looked at your own trajectory in powerlifting itself? Okay. Um, so I don't feel right saying that just because like I haven't been going to church properly and I just kind of like been a little distant from God himself, you know, as far as like Christianity goes. Um, but I mean, like I do believe in God, you know, and I do believe that Jesus Christ died and paid for my sins. Um, so the way how that filters into my training, it just, I guess I have faith that God put me on this earth for a reason, whether Mm. it's for me to go ahead and accomplish my own individual goals. And then maybe through that, um, his glory could shine. 
Um, like, it's just, like, my family has been through so much. Like, it's, like, I'm a first-generation Hispanic American. Like, my grandfather and my father and my grandmother, like, and some of my uncles and aunts, like, they weren't born here. Like, my family, the Olivares family, has not been on United States soil for too long. You know, it's, like... It's it's just for me. It's like when I look at the big picture and I look at just how close everything is to have being so much different. There's no way that I can't say that God's hand didn't have some role to play. Because sure. like in America, man, uh, where things are like, what would have happened? I mean, I won't get into too much detail, but it's just, like, with my grandfather's journey, you know, like, he could have, something bad could have happened, you know, he could have got shot, he could have, he could have been, anything could have happened, right, just because he's mm-hmm. not from here, and, you know, it's just with the racial issues going on and how they were back then, you know, like, 40 years ago, and then it's just for my dad and my mom to have met like my dad had kids with several other women like what if he had decided to stay with one of them and not my mom and she would have had one kid instead of six which would have prevented my birth and then at the same time it's like i don't I've, i don't this is a little bit too personal but it's like when i was going through that breakup and i think maybe this will help inspire some individuals and shine some light but i actually attempted suicide because mm. I just couldn't handle what I was going. Like I was, uh, I was younger. Um, I didn't see any hope, any light at the end of whatever I was going through at that time. Like that's just how bad it was. And if you talk, I think I like to think I'm a very optimistic individual. <clears throat> um, I hope that that shines through the conversation that we've had thus far. But like at this point in time, like I just had no hope. Like I had no aspiration to live any longer and like i had planned out everything and i had gone through with it right i had gone through with it i was gonna overdose on some pills um and like at this point in time it's like okay like i'm ready to go and nothing's happening like the pain's not going away and i'm literally like why am i not feeling anything like why am i still hurting like why am i still here and at this point I see, like, this, this is on, like, I at this point in time, like, I did have some skepticism towards Christianity just because I've always heard of people, like, say that they talk to God and they hear God's voice. And it's like, these are natural things that you live through and you learn through as you go through your Christian walk, whether you're a devout Christian or not. Like, these are things mm-hmm. that come to your head, right? And this was probably the first time I had ever heard. Like, it was just, all I heard was, like, Jesus, if you don't hang on to me, you will die. And I had, like, mm. this vision of me drowning in an ocean, like, this tempest. And as I was going under, like, my hand was still above sea level. Like, someone threw a little lifesaver at me. And I just remember, like, in my head, like, grabbing onto it. And, like, it was just, like, I snapped out of it. And I was just, like, what did I just try to do? Like, mm. I literally tried to take away myself from people that love me, that people that want me in their lives, and I just tried to take us, myself away from them. You know, like, I was just going to end it all. 
um, that, that, that's not my proudest moment, but I will say that that taught me a lot. It taught me yeah. um, that things got better after that. So it's like now it's like when I see people in similar places, I can go out to them and be like, dude, or whatever it's a girl or whatever they like to call themselves. It's like it gets better. Like yeah. it gets better. Like things don't end here. Like, you just got to keep taking step by step by step. And it's just like, that was probably like the first time I had, I would could say I heard God's voice and had like some yeah. sort of divine uh, vision, right? I mean, obviously people are going to dissect this and be skeptical and say whatever they want to say. Like, oh, it must have been the drugs you're on. But, I mean, it doesn't take away the point that my intention was to end my life at this point. So then at this point, Looking back, it's like, dang, like, I was so close to not being where I am today. And I was so close, like, like I mean, it just there's just so many little things. And plus, there have also been other times where some sort of miraculous event transpired that I can't explain. Where, you know, there's been other times where, like, I should have been in a life-altering wreck. Um, when I was going to school, like I, there's just things where it's like, why doesn't this make sense? So it's like, I'm, I'm honestly, I am not a devout Christian. Um, but I will say that God's hand has been very, um, obvious in my life and in my family's, uh, like for whatever reason, I think he's just kind of been guiding us wherever we are right now. And I mean, I have no choice but to believe that he has allowed me to come this far and he will allow me to go as far as I want, not as far as I want to, but as far as he wants me to go, you know, for whatever reason that may be, you know, maybe he's going to smack me in the head two years from now and be like, all right, man, time to wake up. Like you got to come back to ministry. Cause I mean, like, and that's another thing too, like, whenever I was a little bit more devout, you could say, and I was going to church camp, and I was going to church often, like, people would always come and, like, prophesize over me that I had the calling of ministry over my life. So it's like, I, I mean, right now, <laughs> that seems, like, so far-fetched. But, I mean, I have known people in my life who were similar as far as they've, they had their calling of ministry on their life, and they didn't enter it until 20 years later. So I know that, you know, life isn't just like as is, you know, like everything has a purpose, whether it's good or evil or just nonchalant, you know, because it's a matter of perspective, you know, like everything bad that has happened in my life that I can choose to pinpoint and circle and be like, this is the reason my life sucks. This is the reason why I don't have this, why I don't have what everybody else has. I can choose that and flip it and be like, but it's also the reason why I've managed to learn and improve. Yeah. So as far as like my faith, man, it's like, I do have faith that, you know, Jesus existed, that Jesus walked, you know, and that's not even going into the historical markers that show that he did exist. So it's just, you know, I'm, I'm in a place where like, okay, I need to start. I know I need to start buckling down. And it's like, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, like, I'm not going to walk around and be like, oh, like, I'm this holy man. 
because that's not that's not what we're called to do. Like we're called to be honest with each other. We're called to be um, we're called to love people how Jesus loved himself. And that's honestly what I think is the biggest misconstrued uh, point that's missed. It's like we are called to love each other how Jesus loved everybody else. So it's like that means it's like if you don't believe in the same things I do, like that doesn't mean I'm going to judge you for it. That just means, you know, maybe you can educate me or and I can educate you and like we learn from each other. You know, that's what I think Christianity is all about because it's like nowadays um, you get these people who just aren't about what Christianity really is. And that's why Christians Christians get such a bad rap, you know, because the thing is, it's like when you claim to be a Christian, you get held to the highest uh, degree of hypocrisy. So it's you have to be very careful to not be walking around and living double standards, you know. So it's just, yeah. you know, you're going to get judged. Like that's one thing. It's like you will get judged if you claim to be a Christian, you know, because if you get caught drinking, be like, whoa, are you sure you're supposed to be drinking? Like, I thought you couldn't. And then the people who don't understand that you can drink, you know, even if you believe in God and you love him, you glorify him. You know, if you read it, it just says, like, don't make, you know, so there's just little things that if you actually read the Bible and you actually kind of understand what Jesus was about, like, it kind of opens your eyes, like, oh, shoot, like, this isn't what creation Christianity is supposed to be. Like, this faith, it's a faith, not a religion. It's based off on simply loving each other how the son of god did you know and that's without flaw like not holding anything back regardless of the differences regardless of the difference in skin tone difference in beliefs difference in opinion and i think that's just where we're not at right now as a country it's like everybody hates everybody for any little different thing if you're not mm -hmm. a carbon copy of someone who is like spiteful they're gonna freaking hate you for it it's like oh like you don't like the color pink screw you yeah. i'm gonna cancel you or oh like you don't like fried chicken or turk uh jerky you don't like jerky all right canceled and it's like bro really like what is the whole point of this you know mm -hmm. because everything is so toxic now and i just like feel like people just need to love each other more like, man, just be a little bit more, uh, what's the word? <sighs> like, lenient. Well, not, not too lenient, but just be understanding, you know, yeah. because there's always two sides to the same story, and the truth always lies in the middle, more often than not. And it's just like everyone has an opinion, everyone is biased, everybody wants everyone to be on their side. Nobody wants to be added out. Nobody wants to walk the lone path. And it's just, that's just kind of where I feel like most people are, you know, and it's just, it takes a lot of courage and determination to kind of just be your own person just nowadays. And it's just like, bro, like, just, just be you. Like, don't worry about what other people think. Like, just live life the way you want to live it, you know? Yeah. No, that's good, man. There's a lot of really good stuff there. Well, last question I got for you, uh, for, from one big boy to another, mm -hmm. I'm a big breakfast guy. I love my breakfast food. What is the go-to breakfast? Actually, let me rephrase this. If there was one breakfast food you just couldn't live without, that was just, it's it's the one above them all. What is it and why? I'm going to have, this was a little easy for me. I'm going to have to go with some fried eggs 
um, sunny side up and some refried beans with some flour tortillas. Like that is like my ratatouille. That is like mm-hmm. my home meal. Like I have like so many good memories of just waking up early Saturday uh, as a kid and just like walking to the kitchen. My mom's already up cooking breakfast. Uh, my brother's already sitting down at the table and it's just like, like that, that's my meal, man. Like that, that meal to me is tied to like so many good memories. It's like, well, just by thinking about it right now, man, like I just like visualize like seeing all my family, like just sitting down together, like smiling and laughing and having a good time with each other. So like, that is my go-to breakfast. That is a meal that I could probably eat like every day. And it's just like, man, like I miss, I miss, just, I miss my family just thinking about it. So it's like, it's that's what it is for me. You know, I uh, I remember when I asked Ed Cohen that last summer. Uh, he goes, you know, because it's a simple question. Like it's very, you know, basic, but it, but it's interesting what it brings out in people. I asked Ed, and Ed being, you know, the sarcastic guy he always is. You know, I wasn't expecting this. He goes, uh, he goes blueberry pancakes, and I was blueberry pancake. Like, huh? Like that's really specific. He goes. Yeah, you know, when I was growing up and we didn't have a lot of money, you know, my my mom used to make us blueberry pancakes uh, on a Saturday morning. And it was just like a pause because I was just like waiting to see if he said anything else. He goes, yeah, you know, that's a really good memory. And I was like, this is the most genuine I've ever seen Ed (laughs) say anything in my life. But I was like, but there's something about family and food of bringing back those memories of just everybody being together. You know, I think of like... uh, Fast and Furious, the end of every single movie, after the most absurd plots. It's family. Yeah, they're all sitting around the dinner table. And it is, it is. you know, there's something about food that just, it brings people together, you know? And I think that's a really cool thing about powerlifting especially is because, you know, this show for me has just allowed me to see just such a diverse group of lifters, you know, from every background possible with every trajectory possible, any faith, anything and the thing that brings them all together, I'm like, let's bring it all back to breakfast. Because at one point, every single kid was sitting in front of a TV or sitting in front while their dad read a newspaper, watching cartoons or doing whatever, and just eating some kind of breakfast. And frequently, 20, 30, 40 years later, it's exactly what brings them back. And it's just, it's it's cool, man. It's sweet. Mm. Uh, well, last thing I got for you, um, any, any shout outs for your own sponsors, just for your meat, any last points you want to throw at people, uh, how they can kind of keep, keep up to date with what you got going on. All right. All right, guys. So for my sponsors, obviously if you guys follow me, um, yeah, go to Leflar bros on Instagram. Um, they got awesome merch. Um, y'all go buy the new shirt that they dropped for honor and for glory. So I've actually talked to CB about that. And it's because on some of my posts, I like to end it with for honor and for glory. And like where that comes from. And I think if you go to his personal page, uh, CB Leffler, you can actually, he actually posted, or maybe on the actual apparel page, I'm not sure. But he goes into depth about like how, that saying references like some sort of primordial, um, bigger than life itself, um, direction that you're just drawn towards, right? And I was also gonna make a video about it soon and then upload it just to kind of add on top of it, just because like for me that's just like it is. Like he he said it perfectly because it's like I'm 
feel like I am walking where I need to be. Like, I feel like this is a path that, you know, I was born to take. You know, like, that's my opinion. And it's like, I feel like it's my responsibility to up upkeep and uphold my morals while I do it just for the sake of my journey, right? And it's for honor and for glory, right? Um, so y'all go get it. Use uh, code MEGA10, all caps, MEGA10. Um, and then also, like, my other, my supplement sponsor at Jack Factory, like, those guys, like, they're primar- primarily, like, a bodybuilding. They were, and, like, now they're trying to venture out into powerlifting because I'm pretty sure they're noticing the just growth the sport is taking. So it's like they recently just acquired Sean Noriega. Mm-hmm. So far, the only powerlifters that they have is going to be myself, Sean, and uh, Johnny Candido. So if you guys want to go and check them out, y'all can use uh, any one of their codes. But obviously, uh, I'm on the show. So let's go with <laughs> Caps. <laughs> um, and if you guys support them more than I do, maybe y'all are more than welcome to. Um, it's all for a good cause. And then... Um, SPD, but I mean everybody. Everybody, you SPD doesn't need a shout out. Like it's like, <laughs> if you know, if you understand, like the quality of their stuff. Like it's like they got good stuff. So it's like if you want some good quality stuff, SPD. I mean they don't really give anything in return except excellent materials. Um, but that's pretty much it for my sponsors at the moment, man. So, but it's been a pleasure Sweet. being on, man. It's been a pleasure being on. Yeah, likewise. Well, folks, this has just been a, a great conversation with Jesus Olivares. Uh, we are excited for the meet here in a few weeks for you, dude. Uh, as always, you can find me on Instagram, Big Mo Powerlifting, him at mega.gojira, uh, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong. We're going to run with it anyway. Uh, and of course, stay tuned to that showdown between him and Ray Williams here in just 27 days. With that, guys, we will catch you next time. Well, guys, thank you again for tuning in this interview with Jesus Olivares and myself. Uh, you can be sure to find us both on Instagram at Big Mo Powerlifting, at Faith Fitness Podcast, or at Mega.Gojira uh, on Instagram. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. I don't upload a ton on there right now, but more than likely this year we'll begin shifting towards more video-focused content uh, just moving forward in general. You can, of course, uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify at Faith Fitness and French Toast uh, for full interviews, trailers, and more uh, for the rest of season five. I am slowing down a little bit in production this summer uh, as I move into a couple months uh, of just strict meat prep. Uh, So episodes will be a little bit more infrequent, but looking forward to continuing uh, to encourage and empower as many of you as I can. Uh, I'm grateful for the stories Uh, that I get in my DMs all the time about the impact this podcast is having. Uh, It means the world to me. So thank you for listening. Love you all. We'll see you next time.